Well, good morning, Thrive Church. How are we doing this morning? I want to uh, not only welcome you guys, but also our church online campus. Uh, one of the things that we've done during COVID is um, really it's been awesome to speed up our ability to live stream. But those who are watching online aren't just watching a service, they're actually participating. They have a campus team member on Facebook and YouTube that's greeting them, that's taking prayer requests, and that is our now our third campus. There are some people that's the only campus they attend. They actually have ways they can serve. They have ways that they can engage. Isn't that amazing? If you will, welcome all those that are joining us by a church online today. Amen. Well, guys, we're in a series called The Game of Thrones, and as I've said before, I don't know the show. I've never watched it. I just thought this would be a really cool name for the series as we're studying the kings in the Old Testament. And so if you have your copy of God's Word, go ahead and turn to 2 Kings chapter 23. That's 2 Kings 23. Uh, my son uses an iPad, and I was one of those guys who thought he will never, ever use an iPad. He will never watch it. He'll never play games on it. Well, guess what? He does. And you know what? I play those games with him. We have fun doing that. But he's a little bit like me with ADD. I get bored with things really quickly. Like I have a PS4. I can only play about 30 minutes and I get really bored. I want to do something else. So what he does is every day he's asking, can I download a new game? And we got to the point, I said, son, here's what's happening with your iPad. If you keep downloading new games on it, it's going to slow down the operating system. I had to explain, explain to him about like the brain of an iPad, how that works. He's like, whoa, it has a brain. He's like, yeah, it's real tiny, but it's really smart. And I said that if you keep downloading these new games, you're going to slow down the operating system. I said, so here's what we're going to do. If you want to download a new game, we're going to delete an old game. And that way you continue to have a good operating system. And now he's learned the same thing about toys. We've learned to give toys away in order to get new toys so he's not cluttered. Well, today I didn't come to speak to you about an iPad or toys, but I want to speak to you about the same thing in our life. Because many times in our lives, our spiritual operating system gets slowed down because of a problem that we have in our lives. I want to talk to you about that today. As a matter of fact, the king we're going to look at today was a very unique king who dealt with that same problem in Israel. Around 640 B.C., there was a king named Josiah, and he was uh, you know, brought in as king. And here's the interesting part about that. When he was inaugurated as king, he was only eight years old. Let me say that one more time because some of you didn't hear what I just said. I didn't say 80. He was eight years old. How many of you would go over to our kids' ministry, line up the eight-year-olds and pick one out? To be the king. That sounds crazy, but God chose him. He was next in line. But what was so awesome about Josiah was, was he was one of the kings, and we've been looking every week at a king who kind of like was a cautionary tale of how to not, to not live your life. Josiah was someone who came in and did what no other adult king would do. By this time of 640 BC, the Israelites were just worshiping idols along with worshiping God. In the Jewish temple, Solomon, remember the first week, Solomon, he began to set up pagan shrines and worshiping all types of foreign gods because of the wives that he had married. And so for years, the Israelites had been doing this. They're like, hey, we're going to go worship God and we'll stop by and worship, you know, this other false god as well. And they had been living like that. 
And when Josiah comes in in 640 BC, God uses him to bring reform and bring revival back to Israel. And here's what that involved. It involved dealing with the idols that were in Israel. Don't you look at 2 Kings 23, uh, starting with verse 12 this morning. It says, Josiah tore down the altars that the kings of Judah had built on the palace roof above the upper room of Ahaz. The king, and I love these action verbs. I want you to pay attention to action verbs here because this is amazing. None of them are really nice. The king destroyed the altars that Manasseh had built in the two courtyards of the Lord's temple. He smashed them, action verbs, he smashed them to bits and scattered the pieces in the Kidron Valley. The king also desecrated the pagan shrines east of Jerusalem and to the south of the Mount of Corruption where King Solomon of Israel had built shrines for Ashtoreth, the detestable goddess of the Sidonians, and for Chemosh, the detestable god of the Moabites, and for Molech, the vile god of the Ammonites. He smashed the sacred pillars and cut down the Asherah poles. Then he desecrated these places by scattering human bones over them. This kid was not playing, y'all. The king also tore down the altar at Bethel, the pagan shrine that Jeroboam, remember uh, last week, son of Nebat had made when he caused Israel to sin. And he burned down the shrine and ground it to dust, and he burned the Asherah pole. This kid went WWF, WWE, if you're old like me, he went WCW on these pagan shrines. He was DDTing them, he was suplexing them, he was elbow dropping them. He destroyed every idol that was in the temple that was hurting the Israelites. And today what I want to do, I want us to look at, at our temple, at our life. And figure out in our life, if Josiah was to show up today and talk with us, I wonder what he would say that we need to smash to pieces in our life, that we need to obliterate in our lives. And so if you have uh, your notes handy, write this down. Here's today's big idea. And it's this, you can't have room for God's presence if your life is full of idols. You can't have room for God's presence if your life is full of idols. And that's what had happened to the Israelites. Their temple was full of idols. And they were comfortable with it. And here's what happens to me and here's what happens to you. We don't get to experience all of God in our life because sometimes our life is just full of idols. Remember my son's iPad? It's so full of games it was slowing down the operating system. That's what happens to us spiritually. Our spiritual operating system gets slowed down and sluggish because of idols. Now, now you're probably thinking this. You're probably saying, yeah, well, that's, that's really good, Kevin, but I don't really have any pagan idols in my home. Right? I don't have any shrines set up to any of the, you know, the God of Molech or those things. So I'm pretty good. But I want you to realize this. This is the working definition of what we're dealing with the idols today is that idols can parade around as really noble things in our lives. Idols can parade as really noble things in our lives. Meaning this, if you have a Ouija board, get rid of it. Burn it. Yeah, get rid of it. If you have pentagrams in your home, get rid of it. If you have shrines of the gods, yeah, that's good. Get rid of it. But for the most part of us in here today or watching online, we're not dealing with that. We're dealing with a different type of idol. And it's noble things that are causing us to be 
sluggish in our spiritual walk. Like for me, and I've mentioned this before, you know, ministry can be an idol for me. I can actually begin to worship ministry and worship church and worship people's approval and worship numbers. And pastors deal with this all across our country. It's an epidemic where it's causing them to be sluggish spiritually because they're more concerned about their appearance and their numbers and what other churches think than they are what God thinks. And I fall into that category. So if ministry, watch this, if ministry can become an idol for me, then what could become an idol for you? What could be those idols in your life? I want us to look at that. And so when you look at kind of how to identify idols and what are these idols that I deal with, if you're trying to take inventory, there's about just three general areas that I try to do in my life. And the first one is this, it's unsanctioned pleasures. That's the first idols, unsanctioned pleasures. What does that mean? Okay, remember in the Eden, I mean Garden of Eden, there's Adam and Eve, and, and God says, you can have any tree that you want, just what? Not the one. And what do they do? They go for the one that God said, that will not give you ultimate pleasure and joy. And that's what we, that was unsanctioned. And so I want you to realize that God is not like a thief of joy. He's not your thief of joy. God wants you to have joy. Matter of fact, serving Christ, man, that's the most joyful thing, giving my life to Christ that had ever happened to me. I had a life without joy. But here's what happens. As you become a Christ follower, you then begin to slide into these areas where you have unsanctioned pleasures. See, let me just say this, and, and don't, don't blush in here online, but God created sex. Oh, he said that word. Satan didn't create that. That was like the first commandment God gave Adam and Eve. <laughs> you didn't get that, right? Be fruitful and do what? Multiply. <laughs> but God created sex in marriage between a man and a woman. That's what God created. And it's beautiful. If you're a young person in here, you're watching online today, the best thing ever is to wait for the one that God has sent you. And on that wedding day, you get to experience what God has for you. The worst lifestyle you can ever live is going from person to person having sex. Because each time you're losing a part of who you are because God never intended it that way. Culture tells you that's fun. Culture tells you that'll bring you joy. But it will actually, it's an unsanctioned pleasure. Unsanctioned pleasures. God created food for enjoyment. Does anybody like food up in the house today? Okay, for three of y'all you do. Okay, Church Online, there's a few people commenting they like food. Um, but, but realize this, I love food. People, people think I don't eat good food. Y'all are crazy. I just know when to eat it, right? That's the key. And how much to eat. But do you understand that some of your idols could be, maybe it's not sexual uh, pleasure outside of God's state of marriage. Maybe it's not pornography for you, but maybe it's food. Maybe you, you just, you, all you do is live to eat instead of eating to live. And you're the very one saying, hey, I need prayers because of my heart. My heart's going, I'm having heart problems. You don't have heart problems, you have eating problems. And I'm trying to help you with that. Because I don't want any of, you, any of your lives to be cut short. Maybe it's food for you. Maybe it's money. Maybe it's money for you. Maybe that, that's the idol in your life, that you're living strapped. You can't say no to Amazon. You can't say no to Target. You just keep racking up debt, and you're stressed out. Your marriage is suffering. You never learn to submit your money to God. See, I don't know what your idols are in your life. Maybe it's just being busy, right? If God, you know, if, if Satan can't make you bad, he's going to make you busy. And you're just too busy for God. You're too busy to serve. You're too busy to read the Bible. And you are serving your busyness 
But you've got to realize idols will not show up as just ugly stuff. But idols will often be very noble things. You're running a company, and you want to get to the, you know, the next level. You want that promotion, and so you're working and work, and you're serving money. You're serving a job instead of serving God. I'm not sure what your idol is, but we all have those in our life. Here's what's super important today. If we don't end up removing our idols from our lives, you're going to serve them instead of serving God. If you don't remove the idols in your life, what's going to happen is you're going to end up serving idols instead of serving God. And wouldn't that be like the worst thing ever to get to the end of your life and just realize? Or you get to heaven and you're saved by grace, right? And God's like, oh man, you're going to get in. But God gives you like a snapshot of what your life looked like. And God says, yeah, you served money, you served people's approval, you served your appetite, you served things, but you really didn't serve me. I have a theory that is not confirmed, but when we get to heaven, it says he shall wipe every, every tear away. I don't think it'll just be tears of what we lost and things we experienced in life. I think it's going to be tears of regret when God shows us what our potential could have been for the kingdom. And then we look back at what our lives really amounted to. And I'm telling you something, the plan of the enemy is he wants you to serve idols. One of the most joyous times of Satan's existence, I guarantee, was when the temple, the Jewish temple that was created for worship of God only, was littered with idols everywhere. And that's why we have to do what Josiah did. And we've got to have Josiah moments in our life. I don't care how young or how old you are. We all have those. I listened to a podcast recently by Gordon McDonald on the Kerry Newhoff Leadership Podcast. He pastored in the New England area for uh, many, many years. Over 40 or 50 years he pastored there. And he did a podcast called Life at 80. And here's what he said. Being 80 years old, he says, what is, what is the sin of old people? That's what he said. Like, what's the, what's the sin? Bitterness, jealousy, anger. He says, because his sins and the idols he struggles with at 80, they were not the idols he struggled with at 26. And we all in here have to identify what are the idols that we are serving that are parading as really noble things, really good things, but they're taking our eyes off of God. I tell pe- uh, uh, pastors this all the time. I said, Satan will usually not get you down with a bad opportunity. He'll try to tempt you with a good opportunity that's not God's opportunity in your life. He'll tempt you with more money sometimes. He'll tempt you with greater you know, success in the eyes of others. And we have to deal with that. So here's what I want you to do today. Here's our next step is this. We must rid ourselves of idols and then allow God to fill our lives. We must rid ourselves of idols. Smash it. Remember those action verbs? Smash it. Scatter it. Tear it down. Destroy it. And that's what we have to do individually. And this will be something that won't happen during this message. What I'm doing today for you is this is something that's going to happen for you this week and the week after and the week after where you're going to get to a point in your life where you're going to get introspective and you're going to realize you've been serving idols and not God. And where is it that you've been serving idols and not God? It's where you're experiencing emptiness. It's where you're experiencing discontentment. It's where you're experiencing a lack of joy. Because that's what the enemy has come to do in our life. If you want to really get down to it, that's what happens. So we got to not only destroy those idols and remove them, but allow God to fill our lives. 
Ephesians 4.31, Paul writes to this church at Ephesus. This is in the first century. It was the first church ever, which is modern-day Turkey, one of the first churches ever. And this this city, Ephesus, if you study the first century, they worship the goddess uh, Diana uh, and or some called the goddess Artemis. I guess if your wife's named Diana, you didn't call uh, that that demon god (laughs) Diana, right? You called her Artemis. But the whole city worshiped that. Like when you go to some cities, like the whole city revolves around one thing, right? There's shirts everywhere, there's, there's stuff. I mean, it's all about that one thing. Like San Fran is all about the Golden Gate Bridge, and it's all about. Well, this city was all about Diana, this demon goddess. And they all worshiped Diana, they all worshiped Artemis. And when they gave their life to Christ, you see, and I love this in in, in the book of Acts, it shows them all just burning, man, their sorcery books and burning their Diana trinkets, and they're just going all in. They're removing their physical idols. But what Paul does when he writes this church, it's amazing. When he addresses them some years later, he doesn't talk about physical idols, but he talks about idols. And he challenges them. And look what he says in Ephesians 4.31. He says, get rid remove, eradicate, smash, scatter, all bitterness. Some of our idols in here are bitterness. You're serving the emotion of unforgiveness and bitterness. You can't get away from it. He goes on to say this, rage. You think it's cute that you'll walk out of a meeting. You think it's cute that you'll cuss people out. God calls it an idol, and it's destroying your ability to serve God. He goes on to say anger. Harsh words and slander. And then he goes on to say this, as well as all types of evil behavior. Get rid of that bitterness. Get rid of that rage. Get rid of that anger. Get rid of the harsh words you're using to your spouse and to people on social media and to the other political party. Get rid of those things. See, here's what happens. When you first give your life to Christ, you get rid of the things that you don't like. When I first gave my life to Christ... I got rid of, you know, the overindulging and, and all the things I was doing and the smoking and drinking and cursing, all the stuff that made me look bad. But the longer that I follow Christ, here's where I realized, the longer you follow Jesus, he wants to get rid of the things that make him look bad. We get rid of the external things, but then God digs deeper and says, I want to talk to your soul The anger, the bitterness, the rage, the things that you have been holding on to that you can actually look like a strong believer. You can actually look like you have it all together because people can't see that sometimes. You can hide it. He says, get rid of that. And then look what, what Paul says here. He says, instead, and he gives you what you should fill your life with. These are the attributes of Christ's followers. Be kind to each other. People ask me all the time this. They say, hey, Pastor, if you ever need anything, man, you let me know. I'll do it for you. Just do this right here. I'll show up and I'll sweep the parking lot. That's great. Sweep it. But, but I'll show up and clean toilets. That's fine. I'll show. This is what every pastor dreams that his congregation would do. Not only to each other, but to the people in the world. Be kind to each other. Tender-hearted. Forgiving one another. Just as God through Christ has forgiven you. You've got to learn to remove the things that are hurting you, the idols, but don't stop there. Fill your life with the things that can help you. When I first gave my life to Christ, we would go to these youth events, and I, like one of them was called Get Your Junk Out of the Trunk. 
And all the kids would come up and just, oh, yeah, get rid of things. Get your skeletons out of the closet and all this stuff. But they were never taught what to fill their life with. When you remove idols, there's a, there's a space there that you had in your life, whatever that was for you. And then you have to learn to backfill it with something very godly and something productive, or you'll keep going back to it over and over again. It's excavating those things of the heart that are terrible and then filling them with something else in your life. You know, one of the things when I started pursuing health in my life, that's what I had to do. It's not just stop eating bad food. It's not just stop doing this and stop doing that. But you have got to learn to start doing the right things. And so when you remove the idols from your life, allow God to fill that spot in your life. Allow God to fill that void that you have there. And so if we're going to do this today, I want to close with this, because here's what you and I have to do. And here's what I want you to do this week. I can't do it for you. Your small group can't do it for you. Your spouse can't do it for you. But here's what we have to do. Get brutally honest about your personal idols. You've got to be brutally honest. So many times we just skirt, the, oh yeah, I'm good, I'm fine, I'm fine. That's like the, the biggest Christian lie ever, right? How you doing? I'm fine, I'm fine. Or in, in, a, in a marriage, you okay? I'm fine. Get brutally honest about it. See, here's what we're good at. We're good, we're good at get, getting brutally honest about somebody else's idols. We're good at pointing out what somebody else needs to fix, aren't we? I know I am. But that's not what God wants from us. Jesus said this. He says, stop looking at the speck in your brother's eye. Well, you got a plank, a big piece of wood in your own eye. Stop telling everybody else what they need to do. And how about get honest about what you need to do? How about I get honest about what I need to do in my life? See, my mom, and some of you guys know this story, suffered from what was called bronchitis for a few years. She was a lifelong smoker. And the doctor said, you have bronchitis, and gave her medicine for it, and it never got better. She continued to struggle with, you know, this coughing and all this stuff, and the doctor never really took it seriously, never really got honest. And I don't think my mom really wanted to know what was going on. Until then, one day, it got really bad, and the doctor said, we, we need to do, like, an MRI and an X-ray and all this. And at that point, it was too late. Because she never really wanted anybody to get brutally honest about what was really happening in there. Because it was just easier to believe that it was bronchitis and not deal with it. I don't want you guys to do that with your spiritual life. Let the Lord take an MRI today. Let the Lord look in your soul. Have a Josiah moment and say, this is what's got to be dealt with. In my life, I told you about ministry can be an idol, but you know, I, was, I even had this conversation earlier today with someone. What I found out with ministry, I burned out in Florida completely. I hated doing ministry. I hated showing up and seeing people there. I didn't like the people that I pastored. It wasn't their fault. I didn't like preaching. I, I absolutely hated what I did. I burned completely out emotionally. And it wasn't ministry's fault. It wasn't people's fault. You know whose fault it was? It was mine. But I had to do some serious introspection and find out why is it that I'm at this place in my life of discontentment, depression, burnout, hating the very calling that God had given. Why? And here's what I found out. My idols were people's approval of me. 
I was serving people's approval. I was serving how many would show up each week. I was serving what I looked like to other pastors and what they thought about our church. And I got to a place, those were my idols, guys. And I had to smash those idols. I had to begin to care more about what God thought than what people thought. I had to begin to say, you know what? I'm going to please God. And hopefully some people will be pleased in the process. But that's my, my goal in life. I've got to learn to say yes to the right things and no to the wrong things. Because I was serving a really noble idol. It was trying to make Christians happy. It was trying to please people. And that hurt me deeply. I want to ask you today, where is it for you? See, the idol does this. It promises you something it can never deliver. If only you had that job, you would be happy. If only you had another spouse, you'd be happy. If only you had somebody else's kids. <laughs> One person laughed. <laughs> if your kids are right, you know. If only I had, if only I could do this, it would make me happy. Can I tell you something? Nothing externally can ever bring joy to your life. It's only Christ. He is the one that can fill your heart with joy and can do inside of you what nothing can do for you. Idols promise only what God can do for you and they never deliver. Where is that for you? Where is it? And then what you're going to do is you're going to say, God, forgive me of worshiping that idol in my life. Help me remove that, God. And then you're going to ask God to fill your life with his presence where that empty place has been taken out, whatever that is for you. Let's pray this morning. God, we thank you for Josiah and what he did for your people of Israel. But God, we pray that we would have a Josiah moment this morning, that there would be idols in our lives that you would tear down, that you would break down in our life. God, help us. Holy Spirit, identify those idols this week. The places we're discontent, we're not happy. We think that something else will make us happy. The next thing, the when, then God, show that to us. And Father, we ask that you would give us the strength to do what Josiah did, what no other king would do. Give us the strength in our temple, our bodies, our lives to smash some idols. Show us and then deliver us, God. But Father, we ask this then fill us with your presence in our life, God. So no longer we thirst after people's approval, and we no longer hunger after success and fame and fortune. We no longer, well, God, bitterness is removed, anger, rage is removed and replaced with love, tenderheartedness and kindness. We ask for that, Father. And as we're praying this morning for those in here today and those also watching online, maybe it's a point where you know your next step is giving your life to Christ. So right where you're at, today is the day for you to do that, to take the step to surrender fully to Jesus. And so if you're in here today or watching online, I want you to, to pray this prayer after me. It's so simple. It's a confession of faith that you could actually miss it, it's so simple. So right now you can pray this. You say, God, forgive me 
forgive me of my sins. I admit that I cannot save myself through good works. I admit that I need a Savior today. I believe that Jesus died on the cross and rose again on the third day. Not only for the sins of the world, but to forgive me of my sins today personally. God, I repent. I give all these idols away. And today I receive the full forgiveness of sins because of Christ. Thank you, God, for saving me. Thank you for filling me with your Holy Spirit. Now help me live for you. In Christ's name, we pray and make that confession.